Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Uh, relating to what's the Lord saying about this whole situation, um, Mark and I have had some really interesting and, and really good conversation about some of the concerns um, that I've particularly had as I've seen um, prophets uh, interacting and um, and releasing words that perhaps uh, are not necessarily solution focused, and how we should respond, and what 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 is really going on here. So I thought we'd have some conversation. Mark did a, a wonderful um, article, an open letter to the prophetic community yesterday. I encourage you to have a look at that. Also, encourage you to have a look at Friday night's message. I hope that's going to be a blessing to you. If you missed it. Please watch, because I feel it's a word from the Lord for us as a church. Hallelujah. But Christine, why don't you uh, lead us? You've, been, you've, you've articulated some of the questions that people have really been asking. Yeah, well, look, let's just pray. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will really lead us. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, you teach us your ways. And we ask, teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Guide us in the way everlasting. Lord, your ways are wonderful and all your ways are just. Lord, we surrender, Father, to your purposes. And we ask that you'd show us your ways in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm going to dive right in and we're going to hit the ground running with one of the most important questions and I think I've heard this so many times. And the question is, is coronavirus the judgment of God? <laughs> wow. Let's start right in the deep end. <laughs> I love it. And by the way, guys, if you have questions coming through as we're asking and responding in this setting, please put them on because we, we're following the comments as well. Um, and we want to we want to hit the relevant questions. And that's what Christine's really sought to do with these ones. So is coronavirus the judgment of God? That's a it's an amazing question and an important one, because how you answer this question will determine how you're viewing God in this time, and it'll determine how you're praying as well, and, and actually how you're responding in general. Um, I think um, that one of the reasons 
people often link natural disasters and events like we're seeing to the judgment of God is because we have this Old Testament in our Bibles um, where this particular covenant that God entered into with Israel uh, had these, these sets of requirements that they agreed on together. This nation agreed to enter a covenant with God that would actually require God to respond in his justice to the sin of that nation. Uh, and this did result in judgment at times. Now, we all know that God's an unchanging God, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the reality is God doesn't change, but covenants do change. And we now live in a different covenant to the one that he entered into with Israel, in which he very much, he did, he did implement a judgment at times in the Old Testament because they were under a different covenant at that time. And he was actually leading them towards a revelation of their need for Jesus. But once Jesus comes, he actually doesn't just come to reveal who the Father is, but he comes to bring a whole new covenant a whole new way of interacting with God, a whole new contract, if you will, between God and man. And now, now to understand how God's relating to earth and to people in the new covenant, the best place to go is actually to Jesus. It's to look at his life. How did he reveal God's ways? How did he reveal God's interactions? Now, Jesus never once used a natural disaster to judge anyone or to teach anyone a lesson. He, in fact, he, he silenced a storm and spoke peace to a storm. And so there's a, whole, there's a whole shift in gears there that you see as he comes to reveal the fullness of God and this new way called the new covenant. You know, uh, James and John, when they went to a, a Samaritan village, this is an incredible thing because the Samaritan village rejected Jesus and, and James and John in, in a passionate probably protective response, said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven on this village as, uh, and, and they're actually referencing something they've read in their Old Testament, because that actually happened in the Old Testament. But Jesus now presenting this new covenant actually says, no, you guys, you don't know what spirit you are of. I didn't come to destroy life, but to save life. So you can see there's a real shift, there's a, real, um, there's a different way that Jesus brought in this new covenant where he's not actually using judgment through natural events anymore. You know, it, it's an interesting question because then people look at Revelation though and then they, they see that and they think, well, but hang on, there are some things. And I think it's important that we remain really humble in the way that we approach all of this yeah. and, and recognize that, that like C.S. Lewis used to say, he's not a tame lion in that we can't put him in a box, but we can know his character through the, through the Word of God. And there are instances in Scripture in the New Testament that I don't fully understand. Uh, situations like when Herod was struck when he exalted himself, uh, struck down, consumed with worms, and bang, died on the spot. Uh, other, other examples like Ananias and Sapphira and Simon the Sorcerer and others. But whatever your theology is about that, and, and I don't fully understand that, but what I do know is that every one of those examples were really specifically tied to a very specific um, individual and individual sin. And it was a very clear message to the church, don't do that. 
Um, so the idea of actually a whole, you know, killing all these random older people and babies to teach a lesson that we don't actually know what exactly the lesson is, um, you know, what sin is it that needs to be repented of, it just doesn't have a biblical precedent. Uh, there's really specific things, but nothing that is like this, this natural disaster. I, I get frustrated when I hear comments like God sent that to teach people about not doing abortion, when in fact, the people doing the abortions aren't even aware that some Christians think that it's judgment. It's a very ineffective way of actually trying to change wow, people's so behavior. And I, I think it is um, not scripturally sound to suggest that that's how the Holy Spirit works. He's a very wise God. And he, I tell you, when he moves, everybody knows it. We don't have to be second guessing, is it judgment, is it not judgment? If it's judgment, you know, you know without any shadow of doubt. So I think that clearly, fairly clearly answers that. Teach us a lesson. Well, that's, that's a really good thought. I, I was actually asked that by some of our students last week in a Q&A session, our academy students, and one of my immediate responses is, is it affects the way we pray. You know, when looking at Jesus in the storm with his disciples, it, Jesus so had a grasp on who the Father was and how the Father wants to interact and what the Father's character is, like you say, that he could say to the storm with authority and confidence, peace, be still. Now, if Jesus was unsure what the Father was doing with that storm, he wouldn't have been confident to pray that prayer. So I think the faith of prayer can be really impacted if we're unsure, if we're, if we're not confident in God's character. Absolutely. It's, it's like healing. If you ask and you, you're doubting in your heart, you won't receive anything. Um, so we've got to have a confidence to know that whatever we ask according to the will of God, we have. And in order to be able to pray according to the will of God, we've got to know what the will of God is. And so that's really important too. But I, I think it's, it's also valuable as you, as you look at that question, uh, to begin to think, uh, what, is it, what is it that the Lord is, is really wanting to do? If we, if we think that it's, you know, it's judgment, then um, how do we respond? If we've repented, asked for forgiveness, what else is there to do? And, and it, can be, it can be frustrating. But I think if you look, for example, um, when Agabus had the prophecy about a famine coming, the response of the believers was not like, everybody, quick, repent for the sins of the world. Repent for the sins of the nation so we avoid this famine. No, what happened was that they, they immediately sought the Lord for wisdom for a solution, began to take up an offering to prepare for, to look after the church in Jerusalem. And um, I don't see a response of, well, we have to do this. Now, don't mishear me. I believe repentance is absolutely vital. We need to live repentant lives all the time. 
But if we're thinking that um, this is judgment and we need to repent, where does faith come in? If you've already repented of everything and the virus is still here, if, if you know, I think our prayer life then becomes powerless and, and fruitless if, if that's all we have. Yeah. Well, you know, um, firstly, if, it, if it's all right, I'll just finish that final thought just on repentance, just because I, I really want to make sure we weren't, um, that people don't mishear me. I think it's really important uh, to recognize that there is opportunity in this season for God to be pruning and to just live a life of surrender. You know, oh, I want to surrender. I want to live in repentance. But... Um, but for prophets at the moment, I'm hearing, I, and I have some concerns uh, when I hear prophets seeming to resort, resort, resort back to um, a judgment mentality that is seeing what's going on and then, um, and then giving a prophetic opinion about it. Um, there were people that did have a lot of words that that now we look and say, oh, we know what that word is. Um, I, I'm sure there were um, prophets specifically talking about viruses. I'm sure there were a few, but we don't hear all of that. I know at our own prophetic um, council in November, um, one of our members, Anne Brereton, had a word about, uh, she saw a whistling sound coming out of China and going all over the earth. And it was particularly, um, in Australia, we had to be particularly aware of the indigenous people. Now, we didn't know it was a virus, but as soon as the virus hit, Anne wrote to me, reminded me of that word, and we just mobilized people to pray for the indigenous communities. And praise God for our government that has been really front-footed to isolate and um, protect indigenous communities. And so we'll believe that they will be protected. And, and that's one way I think the prophetic can really be very powerful. I think we need to sharpen our, our vision. But the other thing, when people sort of, people love to throw rocks at the prophetic, um, at prophetic people as well, I think God is not as concerned about this virus as, as we are. And in fact, um, he is saying a whole lot of things like Jesus did during the Roman occupation. The people go, uh, yeah, but what about the Roman occupation? And he didn't even comment on it, barely. Um, and said. So, I think he limited it to about um, render to Caesar what Caesar's. And the rest of it, he just kept on, There's, this is the kingdom and this is what we're going to do. And so sometimes people look at the prophetic and say, why aren't you telling us when it's going to end? Why aren't you saying more about this? And it's actually, we can only say what God's saying and God's talking about the kingdom. And he's talking about revival. And he's talking about people um, becoming intimately connected with him and harvest and his glory covering the earth. And so I think we've, we've got to be a little bit careful on what we're expecting from the prophets. Prophets are not psychics and prophets aren't um, paid fortune tellers. 
They are servants of God that have to hear what the Lord's saying and what he's talking about. That would be my comment. That's incredible. That's a great comment. And just just a little bit on the repentance thing too. I I think, um, again, uh, you, you read stories like Jonah and you see, you know, God sends Jonah to Nineveh. And essentially, you see that you see this um, this threat of destruction of the city, lest the people repent and turn from their wickedness. And there's a, it's a theme right throughout the Old Testament. And Nineveh, they repent, they fast, and and God turns away from that judgment. And so it's understandable that if we're learning, we're learning to distinguish between those covenants and and the way of Jesus and the way of faith. I think as well in the new covenant and. Uh, I do think there's a change because, you know, Jonah, the book of Jonah particularly, is is a type of Jesus. Jesus even said, no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. Just as he spent three days in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will spend three days in the earth. I, I really think what the way judgment is dealt with in the new covenant is through the cross of Jesus Christ not through the repentance of those people. And, and as Pastor Catherine is saying, r- repentance is a stunning thing. It is a new covenant practice. It's a very individual thing, though, particularly in the new covenant. You know, Jesus took the focus off the nations and the sins of this nation and that nation. He put it right down to the individual, and he brought it right down to the heart. And he said, where's your heart at? And so during an event like coronavirus, I think, I'm asking the Lord. You know, I, I know God didn't cause this virus. I believe it came from the evil one. I believe God's provoking his church to, to be kingdom focused, to be speaking life, to be praying in faith, because in the new covenant, faith moves mountains, not repentance of nations. But I think I'm also going, God, how could I adjust things in my life during this time? There's, I've been disrupted from my normal how would you want to use this time i know you didn't cause this right there's a difference between cause and effect but what are you doing because you're a good god and i know you use all things for good for those that love you so how are you steering my heart is there something i need to let go of is there things i need to adjust in my life and my priorities so repentance was it's such an important thing but to 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 call a nation or 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 a, a repentance from a certain laws passed, and then link that repentance to a change in a natural event. That's where I think we get we get a bit mixed up with the covenant. So, yeah. See, that reminds me of um, you use the word disruption, Catherine Hokendig. Um, we have uh, the New Zealand prophets come and join us as well at our Australian Prophetic Roundtable. She had a word about interruption and disruption. I mean, and we couldn't have known how disrupted and how interrupted it was, but the word was particularly relating to uh, this is going to happen, but I want you to to recognize that in the midst of it, I'm going to take you higher. And uh, so we need to to realize that in every situation, God wants to make all things work for good. And I think also recognizing that in this world, we do have trouble. Uh, And that's what the scripture says. We live in a fallen world. And we can't explain everything as um, a cause and effect for um, how people are living. We're living in a, a sinful, fallen world, and bad things happen. And sometimes bad things happen to good people. 
But rather than trying to figure out the why, I think the most important thing we do is to recognize the who. And this is what we tell our prophetic school and our prophetic people um, to keep uh, the prophets. We want to be very careful though. And I thought it was really good what you said um, in your open letter about um, not using the prophetic as a way to try to um, blast your particular theological view, but to keep it um, pure. Can you just talk into that just for a minute? Because that was like, I loved that. I thought it was really powerful. Yeah, I'd love to. I I think, um, yeah, as as we have moved churches online and uh, I think our, our leadership voices around the world and prophetic leaders as well because because prophets are part of the church they're they're here to stay they're they're a part of the body of christ they're a part of the fivefold graces they're not an anomaly off on their own they're very much members of the body of christ and and leaders there's prophetic leaders all over the world and so we're we're seeing these leaders actually just seek god with with pure hearts and and they're seeking to understand and to speak what they feel him saying it's it's a reality that when a prophet hears a word, they need to interpret it through their established theology, and that will that it's it's not that prophets aren't hearing God. It's not that prophets are false if they're saying something that is inconsistent with our theology. There's a reality that sometimes we have to filter what we hear through our personal theology, and it won't always come out. The, the revelation won't always come out perfect. It doesn't mean there's a false prophecy. It doesn't mean God's not speaking. It means we're all growing in that in that realm. And so I think there's a huge amount of grace required at the moment. And discernment. You don't have to take yeah, everything. Totally. And yeah, and so sometimes we can be upset with prophets because actually we feel more vulnerable to prophetic voices than we should because we're all called to weigh not to be, not to despise prophecy, not to be hard-hearted towards it, but we're called to, to weigh the prophetic, to take it to prayer, because God can speak to all of us and to hold fast to that which is good. And so yeah, I, I, do, I did feel in this open letter that there's such a need for a, a real grace and prayer towards particularly prophetic leaders at the moment, because they can actually be under the target of cynicism. Um, yeah, and it's, again, I think, leaders can have enough of that without getting more of that on Facebook. And so I, I do feel like there's a real grace um, that, that we can extend. That's true. But at the same time, we also have to take responsibility that, you know, to actually just get out there and spurt an opinion, um, you know, and if it, if it is releasing fear and um, a, a negative response, I think that that is necessary to... Um, you know, that we need to take responsibility for that. But we also need to be careful. If you don't like what someone's saying and you feel that it's not scriptural, don't keep thinking about it. Don't keep listening to it. <laughs> Listen to what you know is actually going to be edifying. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and, and, and ask yourself, is now the time to correct someone, or, or you know, on Facebook or, or say something? Is, is it a time to call out an influential leader and, and share your thought about them? I, I, I think... I would love for the world to look back at an event like this and see a united church and see a church that was known for its love for one another and and extended more grace when things got tough Uh, and definitely took responsibility for things that we got wrong. Um, Yeah, but but we didn't increase in our conflict within the church. We actually decreased. Um, So, yeah.
Awesome. Great question. Um, very practical. I love practical. So, yeah, on a very personal level, I, I had quite... Yeah, well, Christine knows exactly what I'm going to say. Um, I found it a little bit challenging to adjust to um, a, 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 temp, a new temporary normal. Uh, particularly, I think, working from home a lot more, but still being very reachable, just as reachable as if everything was normal. And so having to be quite, still having to steward personal space, time with Jesus, and time with others just as carefully as I would otherwise. But it took me a bit of time to realize that. And so I was, I was probably doing more at first, more connected to people, more busy, more getting things done, thinking I was being very productive, but actually thinking, whoa, I'm not socially isolated at all right now. I think I'm even more connected. I need to adjust this a bit. Um, so in that sense, I had to adjust to really set a good rhythm personally. I think for me, you know, we have to isolate um, physically at the moment, but we don't have to spiritually from each other. And so I have really enjoyed having a phone call with Pastor Catherine, having, uh, having great conversations with Christine or a friend on the phone, actually um, doing Zoom meetings with students and things like that, actually really in, 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 um, intentional connection has been a really important one for me, practically. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I agree with you. People are like, so what are you doing? Are you bored? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I've got a lot of to-do list that's so long. And um, my life uh, hasn't really changed in that regard. I've always got emails and text messages and phone calls and Zoom meetings. And then people assume you've actually got more time because I don't know why. But they assume you've got more time because you're at home. And so it is true. I've had to still have my calendar and still uh, make appointments and make time and, and try to um, make sure I'm still building in my time alone with the Lord, time for exercise. I do a little seven-minute exercise thing online because I know at least I can get seven minutes done. And if I can do it more than once, that'd be wonderful uh, during the day, but it's a pipe dream at the moment. But at least once a day, seven-minute little exercise in front of YouTube um, so that I maintain just a healthy work-life balance um, at home. And then also being uh, intentional to, to remember, okay, I need to go to sleep at the right time, I need to be getting up, um, and I need to be um, really being careful that uh, I am I'm using this time to also allow the, the sailor uh, pause that my friend Lana's been talking about, um, and actually, allowing the little bits of extra time that we have because we don't have to drive to, to press in and go get closer to the Lord. And to, that requires a bit of scheduling for me to do that. Otherwise, from the moment I wake up, I've got messages and boxes and emails and, and things I could be doing, but I have to, to say, no, I can't do that yet. I want to talk to Jesus first and I need to take some time to talk with him, and those things can wait because he's more important. So, yeah. I really love that. And with the time with Jesus thing, so I, I think it can feel like it'll be easier to prioritize time with him just because you have more time. 
But I found that you don't accidentally spend time with God. <laughs> and so it's just as intentional. Yeah, it's just as much a discipline because the enemy hates it, whether it's in whether you're in social isolation or not. He is afraid of your intimate life with God. And so there's no less intentionality needed at a time like this. And there's also no condemnation about it because I've almost been battling that a tiny bit where as in, okay, I technically have more time, but I don't know if I've technically actually filled it with more prayer time and I, I could always do more and I'm not doing it more than I could do. And, and, and the temptation to actually be condemning myself for not doing enough um, can be another stress and another pressure. And, you know, God, I want to be holy and pure before you. I want to live a life surrendered and totally laid down. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And I could do more. And then I have to go, stop. Okay, just stop. And now go and I grab my, I'll grab a communion and I'll just go and sit with the Lord. And if I have 10 minutes here, half an hour there and 15 minutes here um, and Carsten gets up at 5 a.m. and does three hours in the morning and I think, oh, I didn't do that. I love you, Carsten, amazing God of God. Um, it's not my job to be comparing myself with other people right now, but it is important that it, where I feel conviction to make a disciplined um, effort, but then also not to condemn myself in what I'm not doing. That's, that's actually a huge one. We, um, in talking with some of our students last week, it did come out that a few of, a few of us, myself included, this, this thing of, oh my gosh, I have more time. And we, do, we go, I'm going to learn piano. I'm going to read the entire New Testament in a week. And I had a list going through my head. And uh, quite a few students like, yeah, I've done that too. And then find that you don't do it. And then the enemy's there trying to condemn you. Well, what are you doing with all this extra time that you've got? And sometimes what was just a desire and just us adjusting, the enemy tries to make it a law for us that then condemns us. When actually it's just to be really gracious for yourself. It's an interesting time. And that's we've been reminding ourselves that at home. Yeah. And I think, and learning how to, to, like we've been talking about, stare at God, be, be aware. I, I am absolutely needy of you. And as I go about my day, I want to just be aware I can hold your hand right now. I think that's, that's the key. Reevaluate our lives, to reevaluate our priorities, to reevaluate 
Wow. That is an amazing question. It is a, It has been a good time to reflect. Okay, wow. Things were very busy. We've got a lot going on. And now, now we've just had some adjustments. So what an opportunity to think about. Is there things that I could trim back or spend more time here? I think for me, um, one of the things I want to always be prioritizing is the miraculous. It's to see miracles. It's to pray for the sick. It's to share my faith. Um, and recognizing as we're not able to interact with people in public as much at the moment, recognizing that deficit. You know, we've been busy with ministry and leadership and things like that and teaching. I, it's something I always want to have in such balance. I always want to be experiencing heaven. It's, it's something that we can feed off. And it's something that gives us such joy because we're built to live like Jesus. We're built to see his power change people's lives and set people free. And so I, I, I found myself reflecting a bit and going, hey, I, th I think I could have had a more increased focus these last few months, as, as particularly in busy ministry times, to go after it that extra degree, that, that, that extra threshold where you're on the offensive and you're seeing um, miracles on a regular basis, you know, on a day-to-day on -day level. And so that's one thing that I've been really wanting to to um, hone in on in prayer and build into my spirit that discipline. It's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I've actually been um, going through some of my photos of amazing miracles that I've seen just to stir myself up in faith, to remember, hey, this is who God is, you know? And, um, and so that's, that's been good for me, actually looking through and reminding, yes, I remember when you did that, God. I remember when you did that. And, and then reminding myself because he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above. And I think the other thing would be um, the word surrender for me is a big one right now. I think um, making sure that there isn't any idols in my life, like if, if you take everything away, I've got you. I've got you and I'm forgiven and I have salvation and I have fellowship with the God of the universe. And, and, and living that, in that place where if everything gets taken, I've got you and that is my delight and my joy is an opportunity for us. And I think we shouldn't overanalyze it all, uh, but, but allow it to be, help us remember the main thing, and the main thing is that you have relationship with him. He has relationship with you, that you, that you get to minister to him and, and you, you get to walk in the joy of knowing you're forgiven and that you're saved. And, and the more you become aware of that, the more your motivations will become pure and clean to wanna let everybody you know because tomorrow is not guaranteed for, for everybody. You know, we all have to live wisely and recognize that, hey, understanding that I've been saved freely, I've, I've received freely, I wanna give and I wanna connect people to Jesus. So, yeah. I feel like we have time for one more question, a very quick question, but it's super useful. Um, if you could name each of you one video, a podcast, um, a book that people can go to during this time, um, what would that be? And Greeny, you're not allowed to say your 
<laughs> oh my gosh. But we would go to that. But we would. <laughs> Do you want to see that? You go. One resource, highly recommended. Well, can I give a couple? I'll give a couple. I really enjoy um, Craig Groeschel's leadership podcast. I just think it's fascinating. I love learning from different streams, you know, streams that we're not necessarily filling ourselves with. I love Bethel's Sermon of the Week. Love listening to Bill. I'm loving Pastor Catherine's new book, Supernatural Freedom. That's a good resource I'd highly recommend. And a little left field, the Narnia series. I love Narnia. I love C.S. Lewis. I love taking the gospel. The horse and his boy is a really interesting one right now, I think. C.S. Lewis. Have you read it? It's very good. I'm I'm working through them. Very good. (laughs) You know, I, um, I don't have a lot of time to listen or read a lot of things because I always have a list of books that I have to <laughs> endorse and read and like and write. I've got to, oh Lord, help me pray. I just remembered I've got to write something by the end of April. So I, I'm pretty busy like that. Re- I, um, uh, reading other people's manuscripts and, and things at the moment. But I do pretty much every week, I do listen to the Bethel podcast. I, I love I think Bill Johnson is so wise. I, I love his stuff. Um, always refreshes and encourages me. Love just to put worship on and, and try intentionally every day. I don't have to be studying. I Just ministering to the Lord and, and worshiping God is really good. And then my seven minute exercise video. <laughs> uh, I love that. Can I share two? Go. I Oh, that was a good one. It's yeah. just fantastic. Enjoyed that. And just changing your mindset with like God's generals and one Defining Moments, Bill's book is great. I liked that. That was good. Well, that was incredible. Christine, thank you so much. You're an amazing interviewer. We did have one or two questions come through here. Um, I'm going to jump. Chris Turner asked one a little bit further up the thread here. Chris and Emma, we love you. I'm missing you. Yeah, we do. You guys are fun. (laughs) Absolutely fun. Now, um, there's so many hundreds of comments, I can't see it anymore. But it was along the lines of, um, Chris, you asked, you know, that there was a few prophetic voices that referenced Passover and um, implied that the pandemic or the coronavirus would be resolved by Passover or during Passover. And so you were saying something like, what now? Like, it didn't happen, kind of, what do we do now or how do we address things like that? So it's a good question. Uh, uh, Can I speak into that? Um, Chuck Pierce released a word in September last year that we were going to be tested through Passover. Um, But the word, if you go and look it up, if you look at the word, the word was not that there's going to be a virus that ends at the end of Passover, but it's been interpreted that way by other people. But he didn't say the, the, he said there's a testing coming on the whole world that will test us through Passover. And so the hope that a lot of people put in that was that by Passover be finished. But I think we should... And, and who knows, I don't know how long this will go on and I pray it ends soon, Lord have mercy. But I am encouraged that Passover having finished, there's a lot of talk about countries reopening up now around the world. 
uh, where they, the narrative before Passover was lockdown, panic, panic. The narrative after Passover worldwide is how do we slowly start to unlock and start to relax restrictions. So I think that's something worth pointing out. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful. And let's keep praying for it to finish and be over. Amen. Amen. I agree, yeah. And I think, again, back to that, when we know God's heart, we can pray with faith. And it's, you know, we can can hold fast to prophetic insights and things that people release. And and people are releasing hope and and, um, big things, which is good. I, I think... For the most part, there's a healthy, and I know um, Pastor Catherine, Sarah Cheeseman uh, with the prophetic community here, they talk about always seeking to be accountable for the words you give, um, particularly with dates and things. And there's a whole healthy world that these guys have built into that space. Obviously, not everyone on Facebook has the same protocols or, or things like that. And we don't know how they're journeying in their own churches. We're, we're just seeing the edge of what they do on social media. And so... Um, again, that, so there's grace for that, for that space. But a prophetic insight or not, the Word of God teaches that the kingdom of God is here and that the keys have been given to the church to push back the powers of darkness and the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church as we pursue to take authority over darkness, over the enemy and over his devices. So... The prophetic, I'm edified and encouraged and, st- and spurred on by it. But I also have this anchor of, I know God's heart. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to pray that this thing ends. I'm going to, with my brothers and sisters, believe for a change, believe for this thing to disappear from our planet and that his kingdom would increase in this time. Amen. I think it's um, really good for us as people too, with so much access to so much information. People send me stuff every day. Um, with the latest conspiracy theory and the latest, this is the end of the world. And I mean, I, every day I get sent stuff. Please don't send me that stuff. Um, but I know you're all getting it too. Uh, be careful what you put your mind on. Uh, I would encourage you, be looking in your Bible every day. Pick a book and start, ask the Holy Spirit, where will I read? And then be consistent to read through that book. I mean, if, you've, if you're living with people, if you've got family or you're people in your house, why not um, you know, make a commitment every day to you know, read a chapter? We're working our way through First Samuel at the moment with the kids. And, um, and keep your eyes on, on this. There is all of this going on and we pray. Our alarms go off at seven o'clock. We're praying, thank you, Lord, for the end of this. Thank you for protection. When I take communion, I'm, I'm praying for the church. I pray for you every day for the protection of God, the blood of Jesus over you. Uh, And we can do all of that, but don't give your mind and your thoughts too much to trying to work out the why and the conspiracy and who's behind it. Who knows? But we do know what we are called to do, and that is to keep our eyes on Him and remember about eternity and bring as many people as we can to Jesus. So I love you all. Hallelujah. This has been really fun. Hallelujah. I, I am so excited. I haven't figured out how to keep watching all your messages and not interrupt the feed. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go back and have a look at all of those. I can't wait to do that. I really do want to encourage you. Um, please don't adopt the attitude that you don't need to be a part of a Zoom group. Other people need you. And it is just beautiful. Um, 
there's many different communion group leaders already. The, the more people jump on, the, the more we can utilize our communion group leaders. And then uh, to pray and to prophesy over each other. Do it because you love people, not just because, oh, I don't want that or I don't need that or I'm busy or I wanna go and watch a movie now. Take some time to minister to your brothers and sisters and to bless each other. Do you wanna oh, just, just speak agree. into that? I think um, Christine says as often that, that the, the best form of self-care is others' care. Because as Christians, you know, we're built, we're built to serve one another. And, and so sometimes in times like this, you can feel extra wary or extra, um, you know, you can be driven into to rest. But it's amazing if you, you jump on a Zoom group and just be praying, God, who can I just give a word to tonight? Who can I bless? Who can I pray for? We're, we're energized by it because we're built to be givers. We're built to be selfless. And so you will find, even if that, that moment of, oh, do I want to jump on, interact? Um, please do. You won't regret it. You know, these people are here just to facilitate that time, connect with you. And it's such an important time to keep doing that. So, yeah. yeah. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness. Put on the superpower of patience, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other. Forgive any grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And he doesn't even remember your sin. All right. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds us all together in perfect unity. I pray this week you will walk free from fear, free from sin, free from bondage and unforgiveness, and that you will surrender afresh to the one who has your best interest at heart, whose plans for you are to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, who the one by whose stripes we are healed, the one who has redeemed us, who has saved us, and has eternity being made ready for us. We love you. God bless you and jump into a Zoom group now. I know you're going to be a blessing to so many people as you do and you'll be blessed as well. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website www.glorycitychurch.com.au We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au God bless.